Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, good morning, City Hills. We are in week three of our series, Who's the Boss? Now, some of you may not know I am Mimi from that video. That's who the girls were talking about. And when I watched that, it was really good to know where exactly I fell in the chain of command. I mean, I'm only in charge when mommy and daddy are not there. And it's actually a really great lesson for us as we go through our life. Uh, and I thought about it as, as, as I watched that. What they see is that when mommy and daddy are not there, they actually turn over their authority and the control to Mimi and Papa. And I was thinking about that because to my granddaughters, my authority is only temporary. And I thought about what that means to me as a believer, and it's kind of true in our lives as well. There are definitely times when God is in complete control of my life. I have turned over all of it to him. But there's definitely times in my life and areas of my life that I kind of take that back and and I say, no, that control is only temporary. And that's really what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in this series. Who exactly is in control of our lives? Who is it that sits on the throne of your heart? So far in our series, we've discovered these key truths. Guilt says, I owe you. I've done something to you. I owe you something. Anger says, you owe me. Today, we're going to talk about an emotion that we really don't touch on very much. And I can guarantee that if I asked you to raise your hand today and say, yes, this is an issue that I deal with, no one would even make eye contact. And the subject is on greed. Guilt? Yeah, for sure. I've been there. Anger? I think Danny touched on it last week when he preached. If you, if you drive in San Diego, anger is a part of your every single day life. Yesterday, I, I, I thought I was going to be cool and take the kids out for a drive out to, um, to town. Now that we live in Santee, going to Mission Valley is to town to uh, have a special dinner before Mommy and Daddy came back from vacation. And the GPS took me into the heart of somewhere I've never been before. So anger, yes, I I get that completely. But greed, no. And even as I started to to put this message together, I told Danny, I'm like, why did you give me greed, you know? I, I preach from a place where I've been, something that I have experienced. And I'm like, I'm not greedy. So I know if I feel that way, you feel that way. So we'll see as we go along. So if you're following along in your notes, in today's message, we're going to see that greed says, I owe me. Okay. So the first thing that we learn is that the person whose heart is troubled by greed really believes that they have earned every good thing that comes into their lives. I don't know if you know a person like that, but I know several the kind of person that shakes their head in absolute confusion when you say things like, God met a need of mine this week. What are you talking about? Well, I had a financial need, and, and out of nowhere, there was a check in the mail. Well, God didn't do that. Whoever wrote the check did that. And that's exactly how so many people feel. 
They never can see that God is actually the one who gives all good gifts. And we see this in James 1.17. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And one of the things I love about, um, for those of you who don't know, um, my husband and I moved here from Louisiana. So being uh, new to California, it's really amazing that we have the desert, the mountains, and the beach all within an hour of us. And so whenever I think desert was not something I was used to, humidity was all I was used to in Louisiana. But when I think of the desert, I think of being up on, on you know, sandy hills and the shadows as the sun moved, you know, shifting and changing. And what a beautiful and powerful picture that is of what does not happen with God. He never changes. Well, I love the truth in that verse that not only can I expect good things from him, he does not change. He doesn't change the way he feels about me. He doesn't change the way that he looks at me. And, and we're going to dive a little deeper into that. So when we get to the place where we believe that we are owed good things, kind of colors our mindsets and believing that we're the reason good things come our way, that we deserve all the blessings. And if we feel that way, then it's only natural that we should feel that we should be in control, that we should be the one calling all the shots, whether it's for our finances, for our future, and ultimately for our heart. The problem with that mentality is at some point you're going to cross a line where you realize that what you have is just never enough. And that's where we, we, if we're not careful, it starts to almost create a victim mentality in us. We look at the unfortunate things that have happened in our lives and we begin to feel we deserve the attention that we're getting. We deserve these things. And then we start to feel like maybe our faults should just be overlooked because of them. Because the thing that I want to really make clear today is that greed is not all about money. We're going to talk about some of those things as we get into the message. When we take our dependence off of God, our creator, in any way, it changes our mindset because a little is never going to be enough. We're always looking for more. And ultimately, we never feel content, and that's a place that's a dangerous place for us. So here's a truth that is so often missed in your notes. The emotion that is behind most greed is fear. You see, if you're the one in control of your future, then it's inevitable that you'll always be fearful of failing. If you're the one in control of your finances, then you're going to be fearful it's going to be taken away. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I think about a greedy person, the first person that comes to mind is Ebenezer Scrooge. And you're like, Mary, it's the end of September. Well, then maybe you've not been to Costco yet, because for two weeks, Costco has had Christmas decorations out. So I was in a Christmas frame of mind in the two weeks leading up to preaching this. So from a Christmas carol, really, Ebenezer Scrooge comes to mind. He's a mean, cold-hearted old man that is bitter and resentful. But as the story goes on, when we peel back the layers, what we truly find is a lonely man who all he has in his life is his wealth. And because of that, he never feels like he could give to anyone in need because it's going to be less for him. And it's all he has. 
And I, I'm, I'm going to say this a couple of times through the message. You're going to hear some of this, and you're going to go, Mm-mm, still not me, Mary. Just hang on with me. So we see this played out in the Bible in Luke 12, uh, verses 15 through 21. It says, then he said, and this is Jesus speaking in the form of a parable to the people, beware, guard against every kind of greed. And I love this. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of these crops. And he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'll have room to store all the wheat and my other goods. And he said, and then I'm going to sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough to last you for years, years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, what you did not know was that tonight was your appointed night to die. And then who will get everything you worked for? Verse 21 finishes and says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, I know some of you are starting to squirm, so let me just say this and be clear. There is nothing wrong with saving up for your future. There is nothing wrong with having wealth. Absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. It could be there's nothing wrong with or or feel bad about having an abundant harvest, whether it's from a job well done, saving like crazy, an inheritance, um, a great investment that came in. There's no reason to feel bad about it. But the truth is, it's really not yours. And, And this is the thing that so many people, including believers, have problems with. If you can't take it with you when you die then you were never the owner. You were simply the manager. And what I love about this is if you're not the owner, then who is? And that's when we put things in priority with God. Our note says, you shouldn't feel guilty about wealth. You should feel responsible. And that really changes my mindset. What will I do with what God has given me? What will I do? Will I be a good steward? That's an old-fashioned word. We don't hear any more in church. But a steward is someone who cares for something that's been entrusted to them. And so much more important, we are to be grateful to the one who blessed us in the first place. But what we see from this parable of the rich man is that he had enough. He had barns to fill what he expected to come in. But God gave him an abundance. Why? So that maybe he could share it with someone in need, but instead he wanted to hoard it for himself. I love that the very next thing that Jesus says, if you continue in that, um, in that chapter, Luke 12, 22 through 34, it's not in your notes, but take it down, write it down, and I challenge you to read it this week. If you're someone like me, that worries about the future. This is a great and powerful scripture that really helps us to put things in order. What I mostly get from those, from those truths from these verses is the overlying truth that we are worth more to God than we could possibly ever imagine.
He knows our needs, and he knows how to meet them. So greed is a different kind of emotion than the other enemies that we've been talking about, mostly because it disguises itself. And you still may be thinking, nah, this was not the Sunday for me to come to church. I don't struggle with this, Mary. Listen to this list and see if you find yourself, because I did. Someone who has an issue with greed talks a lot about money, worries a lot about money, and is not a cheerful giver. They're reluctant to share. They're worried about giving what they have. Now keep in mind, I'm not only talking about money. I'm talking about gifts, about emotions, and again, we'll get into that a little more in a second. Greedy people are always reluctant to say thank you because they believe they deserve everything that's been given to them. Now, maybe you're starting to formulate in your mind either, yeah, this is kind of touching home a little bit, or you've at least identified someone that you know that's like that. But here's the key. People who deal with greed are never content with what they have. They never see how good their life is. They're always needing more. I want to say this. As a believer, we're never to let people walk over us, take advantage of us. I'm not talking about being compensated for a job well done. In our notes, it says what Jesus was telling us is that only in a relationship with him can we find what we're looking for from people. Because again, this is not only about money. It's about emotion. For some people, they want the attention. They love the, the accolades. What I think is missing in their lives is knowing exactly who they are in Christ. It's only in God that we know our identity and our worth. And when we do, we can see that all good gifts come from him. So let's look at this subject from another perspective. In your notes, it says greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Greed says money is not enough, the attention is not enough, the recognition is not enough. See, we talk a lot here at City Hills about finding your purpose, and I think that that is a worthy goal. If we can find our purpose in what God has gifted us with, we can do incredible things for him. But I will say this, the most important strength and purpose of your life is to discover who you are in Christ, as I said. Knowing who he is, putting that in order and perspective will change and revolutionize your life because then you're no longer dependent upon yourself or other people to know exactly who you are. You see, we read in James 1.17 a few minutes ago, he doesn't change. He never changed. I really want to drive that home to somebody today. We can stand firm knowing that if we put our complete trust in him, who does not change, our identity with him will never change. You see, when we put our trust in our wealth, the economy, a change in the stock market, and so many other things can change our situation. If we put our trust in ourselves to make wealth, what if an illness, an unexpected illness comes? And then what will happen? Everything will change. And this is important. If we put our trust and identity 
in the words and the actions of other people, what happens when those relationships change? Then we're left feeling like we don't have the worth that we thought we did. Today, what I really want to say to you is the statement I made earlier, I owe me, which is really what greed is about, is a lie. Because everything that ever needed to be paid was paid by Jesus on the cross. We see this in a very familiar portion of scripture. I want to read you one more parable before we close today. And it's in Luke 15, 11 through 20. If you've been around church for a while, we know it is the story of the prodigal son. We're only going to do a, a small portion of it. And I have to say, I have read this hundreds of times. I've preached it probably a dozen times. And something was a little different when I read it this time that I hope will resonate with you as well. Luke 15, 11 through 20 says, this is Jesus again speaking, then he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger, the younger son said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between him and his older brother, and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all throughout the country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who, was assigned, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. Now, that's a whole other story for another time, how degrading it was for this Jewish boy to be in with the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farm hands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father and asked to be a servant. What we can easily see from this portion of the story is that the son had a heart issue. It wasn't really about finances. It was a heart issue. He demanded what was owed him. Now, the thing to understand is that in Bible days, well, same here, you don't get an inheritance unless someone passes away. But in Bible days, what was more important than that is that being the younger son, he was going to get a smaller portion than his older brother. And honestly, really digging into this story, you know, after reading it so many times, I think that's really where the heart issue started. He started to worry about what was going to come to him because he knew it would be less. So in essence, this young man asking his father, give me my inheritance now, was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Whoa. I mean, you know, you know that's not what he was thinking, but really, in reality, that's what he was saying. But the heart of the matter, the real problem was, he was saying, I don't trust that you're going to give me what I deserve. I don't trust that you're going to give me what I'm owed. So give it to me now so that I can be in control of it. Do you see the heart issue? That wanting to be in control. The fear that it's not going to be enough. The fear that you're going to be cheated. Now, this is what I saw for really the first time um, after reading this so many times. Did the son have a reason to believe that the father was going to cheat him? 
Did the son have a reason to believe that the father was going to give him less than he needed to live? We know the answer to that if we go back to that scripture because he, in his own words, said, my father's servants eat three meals a day. In another translation, it actually says they had food to spare. This young son had no reason to believe that his father was going to withhold good gifts from him. And he had no reason to doubt the father's intentions. This is where I started to see myself, in complete transparency and honesty. Because there's so many times in my life where I wanted to see something happen, and it wasn't happening fast enough, and I wanted to just grab it and control it, right? And really, in essence, what I was saying is, God, you don't really know what you're doing. I, I need to help you along a little bit, and I know better if I could just control it. Just give it to me. You have other things to deal with. Let me control it. The son had no reason to believe that his loving father would cheat him or not give him what he needed, not only his wealth, not only the inheritance, but his love, his attention, his guidance, and his identity. If you go back and read the whole story again, you'll see that even the identity of this rich father was restored to the son. Don't we do that? Don't we all do that with God at times? We can believe easily that God sent his son to die for us and give us salvation, but when it comes to certain things in our lives, we just don't trust him to meet those needs. Listen to this promise in Romans 8.32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, all, won't he also give us everything else? This is a promise that I have to remind myself of. If he's even given me his only son, there's nothing that he won't spare. I really wish that I could say this morning that I've never been guilty of that, this idea, this emotion of greed, but I have. Through my life, I have withheld my giving because I really believed in my heart that I didn't have enough. Like that greedy man in, in the Christmas carol, I feared that it wouldn't be enough for me. There have been times when I have withheld love and care to others because I was hurting and lonely myself. But every time, every single time, that I stepped out and gave, even when it hurt, whether it was financial or whether it was emotional, God met the need that I have every single time. He'd cover me in his powerful, loving arms and pour out a healing on my broken heart. So during our series, we have seen in week one that guilt is conquered with confession. Anger is conquered with forgiveness. And in our notes, you'll see greed. Greed is conquered with generosity. Now, how, how does that work? What do you mean? Greed is evidenced not by how you feel, but by what you do. You may never feel greedy like you do feel anger and, and guilt, but it's there and it's dangerous. How do we use generosity to conquer greed? Fill, find a need and fill it. It is just that simple. I know 
if you have a, an issue with feeling like money is not enough, it isn't that simple. Seeing a need and filling it feels very scary. <laughs> try the first thing that you can try is an emotional one. If you look at your neighbors, if you take the time to, you know, not hurry up and go to the mailbox and run, you know, you'll see that there are people in need, that coworker that just looks like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulder. Maybe, you know, I talk to so many uh, of you through the week. I'm on the prayer team. I hear the prayer requests that come in. We're all dealing with stuff. We all have things in our lives. But when we can set those things aside, I promise you, I promise you that if you go and meet the need of someone else, that feeling of greed, that emotional um, lack that you feel, that financial lack that you feel will start to dissipate. I want to close with this scripture from 1 Chronicles 29 and 11. We've been talking a lot about King David over the summer, talking a lot about his life. And what was expected in the Bible days is that as king, he owned it all. He owned the people. He owned the kingdom. He owned the castle. The, 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 he owned it all. Sorry, not castle. I have granddaughters, so everything is about a castle these days. You know what I'm saying. He owned it all. It was all his. The riches, all of it was his. But David... David was a man after God's own heart, and he always put God in the right perspective. And we see this in 1 Chronicles 29 and 11. He says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head overall. The challenge that I would leave with you this week is find a need and fill it. Whether it's at our church, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your own home, whether it's at work, whether it's in your community, find a need and fill it and watch how God can work in your life. David so often was found in the word asking God to touch those areas of his life. He was always asking him, look at my heart, look in my mind, see the things that I am going through and change my heart. And that's what we, you know, I, I read something just this week that says prayer in, in the English language means to <coughs> petition or beg. But in the Hebrew, it actually meant to reflect when we go to prayer, we go into prayer this week, the challenge is to reflect, as David did so often. Lord, search my heart. See if these things that we've been talking about leading up to this week, and we've got one more to deal with next week. You don't want to miss it. Um, see if these things are in there. See if these things need to be rooted out. Give me the opportunity this is your challenge. Give me the opportunity to find a need and to fill it. Ask him to show you the areas of your life that you need to surrender. Surrender to him, control. And the beauty of it is then you can rest knowing 
that he has it, he is in control, and he never changes. Let's pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have shown me this week where I need to change, the emotional things that I need to do, the work that I need to do to rest, to allow you to have control. Lord, I believe there's someone here this morning that really needed to hear this word, that really is struggling with believing that you have their best in mind. They're struggling with releasing that control. They're struggling with surrendering that control to you. Father, I pray for your sons and daughters this morning. Lord, that they would hear from you, that they would see you, that you would show them exactly who you are to them and who they are to you. Father, I pray that you would help us all this week to find a need and to do all that we can, Lord, in your name. And Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that your word would strengthen and encourage, Father, your children. And I pray this in, in the precious and the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.